Welcome to Queen of the Ring, a podcast that wants to talk to you about wrestling. My name is Alexa. For this extra special Halloween episode, I'm going to talk about the bloodiest woman wrestler in history. Known as the Extreme Queen, Megumi Kudo is a legend in wrestling. She was one of the first to bring women into the space of deathmatch hardcore wrestling as basically patient zero. A 10-time champion, she endured multitudes of horrific matches along with some of her legendary comrades like Combat Toyota, Aja Kong, Miko Satomura, Shark Tsuchiya, and more. Megumi Takayama was born September 20th, 1969, in Koshigaya City, Satama, Japan. She played basketball in her early years and was incredibly athletic, and because of that, she began to love wrestling, and she spent her formative years, like so many others in the late 1970s and early 80s, across the whole world, watching wrestling. And around this time, she was being inspired by teams like the Crush Gals, who were completely changing the game in women's tag team wrestling. And they were over at All Japan Women, who was also known as AJW. And Megumi was hooked. She was already athletic, like I said, and she knew she wanted to be a wrestler very early in life because of these things. And when she got her opportunity to try out for AJW, she was only 17 years old, and she did so amongst 500 other girls. And as number 68, Megumi waited and waited, and when she finally got her chance, she must have impressed them because she became one of only eight women chosen that day amongst some names like the aforementioned Aja Kong, also known as Erika Shishido. March 20th, 1986, she and the other girls were brought to the AJW Dojo to begin their training with the legendary Jaguar Yakota, who began wrestling in the late 70s and eventually became one of the best wrestlers in the world, regardless of gender. It seemed that Megumi and her comrades had quite the intense schedule, getting up at very early hours in the morning to go to the dojo and train for hours on end, seven days a week, and each day after their training was over, they would clean the whole room to make sure it was spotless before leaving for home and go back the next day to do it all again and again and again. (laughs) And this went on for about four months. Through this training, Megumi was chosen to debut first with Kaoru Maeda, and they had their first matches against one another on August 8th, 1986. And after debuting, Megumi was consistently chosen to work openers against her classmates, and she finally got her own win at the legendary Karakuen Hall on August 5th, 1987, over Mika Takahashi. To have her first win at a place that there has been such incredible wrestling is so beautiful within itself and very, I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's very fulfilling, kind of. Through her training, she would meet one of her best friends to this day, the legendary Norio Combat Toyota. 
They would get chances over decades to put each other over, establish their own styles, and make each other look amazing. Because the two of them have some of the most visceral chemistry that can be felt by watching. And you can look up photos of them because a lot of Japanese wrestling was very well taken care of and preserved in records. So the photos still exist from ringside. So AJW, just re- just after this, said that they had to let her go. Megumi, I mean. They were stating that she wasn't progressing in the way that they thought was appropriate. And maybe because of this, or other reasons too, I think that she felt a little bit dejected from wrestling, and she decided that she wanted to step back for a little bit. She began a job as a kindergarten teacher and as a paraprofessional, who I think is someone that supports children and teachers within school environments. And she did that for two years. But those two years was just enough time because she got a call from Atsushi Onita, who was creating a new wrestling promotion called FMW, which stands for Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And I mentioned it in my episode about Jacqueline. Uh, And Atsushi Onita is a legend within hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling. I think he is actually the creator of deathmatches alongside or inspired very minusculely by a man named Terry Funk, who was an incredibly famous American wrestler. Onita reached out to a lot of the other women who were at AJW when she was as well, because he was hoping to seriously expand the women's division and make it more dense. Megumi debuted at FMW beside, beside her best friend, Combat Toyota, on March 13th, 1990, as villains, which is also known as heels in wrestling. And I guess that seeing her as this villain character made Atsushi Onita realize just how actually beautiful Megumi is. And he decided that being a villain was wasting her beauty and that she needed to face turn, which in wrestling means go from a villain to a good guy and become a baby face. And he thought that that would become the ultimate star Megumi would. She and Toyota had a couple of feuds directly after this, um, some being at the legendary Karakuen Hall again. And in the same time, there was the first ever mixed tag team match in Japan on October 26, 1990. She was paired with Riki Fuji and would be facing off against Tarzan and Despino Goto. And... Around the same time, FMW had their first all-women's show where they only featured women performers and women wrestlers and let them do the whole thing, which is so early for a wrestling promotion to be doing an all-women's show. Because for the perspective, around the same time in 1990 was when I'm pretty sure WWF was literally doing nothing for their women's division. And I actually think they were actively trying to eliminate the division altogether, trying to retire the women's belts and trying to thin out their women talent as much as possible because they just didn't think that they were doing anything for their promotion sales or their audience. I just think that they were completely wrong and they didn't know what to do with them at all. But and it's proof that in other places of the, in the world, 
their women's wrestling was booming and succeeding and thriving. The next year, in 1991, Megumi would finally get her first ever title of her whole career in the WWA women's title. After a long-standing feud with Combat Toyota, she finally got her own win and was simultaneously becoming incredibly popular with fans. And I imagine because of this, she would go on to face people that are complete legends in this industry, like Chigusa Nagayo, Shark Tsuchiya, Bad Nurse Nakamura, and many more. Around the same time, she appeared on the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling Baseball Magazine in Japan, and she was only the third woman to ever be on the cover, with amazing names right before her, like Dump Matsumoto, Aja Kong, and Bull Nakano. The cover of her magazine looks like if you have ever seen the late 90s anime, Perfect Blue. She looks like one of the girls in Cham. She just looks so pink and bubbly and sweet and likable and like girl next door. In 91 to 92, it seemed like she and her people were trying to get her into every venue of media entertainment because obviously she was a wrestler, but Megumi was also in a movie called A Human Murder Weapon, and she got her friend Atsushi Onita to appear in it alongside her. And at the same time, FMW put out a CD of Megumi singing called Keep On Running. And if you listen to it, it's very like 1990s, late 80s sounding. It's cool. Around this time, there are these crazy photos of her in the ring in this huge pink princess dress receiving flowers from when the movie premiered by its producer. It's very Japanese pop idol prototype, and that is the same thing that is depicted in Perfect Blue. And what is wrestling if not opportunistic? In another match between she and Combat Toyota, Toyota jumps at her with scissors and cuts up the dress in a really dramatic way. To continue on their story together, she and Toyota came back together as a tag team, and to prove that they were the best around, they challenged veterans in their industry in the in the form of Bull Nakano, who I mentioned before, and Akira Hokuto. And they were veterans as Toyota and Kudo were still training. So to challenge a tag team that's been around for so long is is really, it's it's ballsy. And although they ended up losing, it, it doesn't really matter in wrestling. When you get the opportunity to go up to someone, to, to face someone who came before you, it's an honor. In the following years, she continued to work for different promotions and working very consistently. If you're interested in match specificities in in very minute detail, look to the sources in the description below. There is a biography on her online that is such a great source for information that is very detailed. Atsushi Onita retired on May 17, 1995, leaving a void that would be felt by the FMW audience members. Hayabusa, with a wrestler with an insane story of his own, took over in Onita's stead. And he decided that he was going to continue to use Megumi as the top star, and he began basing her matches in a more hardcore, blood-soaked style that he hoped would be able to fill that void that Onita left. 
Some of those matches included a Caribbean barbed wire death match on September 5th of that same year against Shark Suchia, Bad Nurse Nakamura, and Miwa Sato. In this match, Kudo would become the first woman to ever land on a barbed wire board, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, like a wooden board with circular wraps of barbed wire all along the front of it. And I think she won the match for her team, so you can it proves that that sacrifice resulted in victory. And something else she did in this match um, was honor Shark Suchia after she had won by going up to her after the match and pouring water over her bloody wounds, as this is what Atsushi Onita did to honor his opponents as well. And I think that maybe it had been done before that as a way to honor the person that you just fought. In wrestling, every angle is tested. And at one point, her rival, Shark Suchia, became her tag partner. At Karakuen Hall in September of 95 against Bad Nurse Nakamura and Mia Sato, Megumi was chained by the neck by her two opponents. And Suchia, her now partner, turns on her and begins to pour lighter fluid all over her body. Then Shark in the style of a circus fire breather, spit a huge fireball on Megumi. Her head and upper body catch on fire as her body begins to involuntarily shake. The fire went out immediately, and I think she was okay ultimately. After almost six years with FMW, she finally got her chance to main event her first FMW show at the end of 1995. This was the first ever women's no-rope barbed wire death match. And in this match, Megumi got something in wrestling called a crimson mask. The crimson mask is when you get cut, maybe high up on your face, your forehead, and the blood slowly starts to flow all down your face, blurring your features, while your face is just completely covered in sweat and blood. This mask can completely change a person's career. For more modern examples, we can look to Becky Lynch. When her nose was broken in the ring and blood poured down all over her face, I have a shirt and a pin with that picture on it. That's when she became the man. Britt Baker at AEW, she had a match with Thunder Rosa where Britt got cut a nasty cut. And she just kept going on and on letting Thunder Rosa throw her around the ring while she just has blood all over her face. And it made her a star. She now has shirts with her own crimson mask all over it. A side note is that I think people were even more shocked by Megumi Kudo's mere presence in a hardcore ring because of how incredibly petite she is. And she stands at only five foot four, which is the same height as me, and I'm short as fuck. And on top of that, she's incredibly beautiful. I think it's like the duality of seeing this marketably pretty, petite young woman doing this hardcore fire, barbed wire, exploding death matches. I think it was especially impressive to the public. We like to see women in one single way usually, and nuance usually bothers us. But here it made people love her more. It's like watching a little girl start to sing a song that doesn't sound like it's coming from her body, kind of. 
In 96, Ultimate Best Friends and Rivals, Megumi and Combat, got their chance for one last bout before Combat Toyota's retirement in June of the same year. The two of them were in the first ever exploding barbed wire death match, which sounds hilarious, I know. It's a really long name, but it's very scary. <laughs> Atsushi Onita was actually watching from the front row as well as he had come back to help out with some stuff. It's a really sad and beautiful match with Megumi getting many of the hits from the explosions and at the end finally throwing them both into this exploding barbed wire. Kudo put Toyota away with Onita running into the ring to pour water over both of their faces, that same sign of respect that I mentioned. All of the other women in the roster came out to the ring and began taking Megumi away on a stretcher while Atsushi picked up combat and threw her over his back to carry her. When they get to the back, where they both are done, Megumi and Toyota sink to the floor as they begin to cry and hug each other, as this will be one of their last matches. I cannot stress the sheer mastery they both, they both possess in the ring. They extend such brutality to one another, and it is the epitome of what hard-style wrestling is, they bend each other in half and throw each other around like rag dolls. They were revolutionizing women's wrestling alongside their peers. Just changing the way that women moved in the ring. Changing the way that people moved in the ring. This is all inspiration for what wrestling is like now. If this hadn't happened, I don't know what it would be like. I mean, there's of course inspiration from other parts of the world, like Mexico and many other places. But Japan had so much revolutionary movement. After that, Megumi started an insane feud with the wrestler Shinobu Kendori, where things happened like Kendori choking Kudo with a chain and hanging her over a balcony by that chain, by her neck. Like the sheer brutality is insane with these women. But on top of that, their matches included so much blood <laughs> spurting out of both of their faces. There was also a barbed wire death match and even more things that culminated in their feuds. But after their feud ended, amongst many other matches that I don't think I could get into or I would be here for hours on end, Megumi decided that it, would, it was time for her to be done. She had her last match at the place she had so many wrestling opportunities, Karakuen Hall, in a no-ropes barbed wire double-held death match, coming out successful in the end. But even though she was successful in that one, she wanted one last final go, and she took part in one of the most insane, outrageous, and horrifying matches of all time. With a sold-out show... Megumi faces her rival, Shark Tsuchiya, in the same match as before, a no-ropes, barbed-wire, double-held death match. And like all those years before, maybe in an homage, Shark blew a fireball at her again, but this time, it had a lot more ramifications. Her hair and shoulder caught on fire, and you can see a referee try to pat them out, and you see her get rolled up and just continue to kick out, even though she has burns all down her back. 
She continues to fight as she gets powerbombed over and over by Suchia. And even though Suchia is brutally, brutally getting her as she has these burns all down her back, Megumi won. And similarly as the previous fire incident, Atsushi Onita and now Hayabusa took care of her burns for her and came to the ring to pour water on them. As an ambulance came to get her and brought her to the hospital to treat her, they go with her. And if you've seen any photos from this match, I highly recommend showing them to everyone you know. (laughs) They're incredibly beautiful and vibrant and they put you there. It is a visceral experience to look at these photos and the matches are also online. You can look them up on YouTube. They gave her a month to heal after this, and when she was finally better, she came back for her own retirement ceremony. And on June 13, 1997, at Karakuen Hall, she vacated her titles and said one last thank you and goodbye to her fans. While they rang her out, her ten-bell salute, the fans crying and screaming, she walked out and began to cry herself. Apparently, the women's division was never the same after she left, and her absence was felt. After her retirement, she found jobs within wrestling commentary and television hosting. She was married in the beginning of 1998 to FMW star Hito, and they had two children together, I believe. She refereed for a couple of great matches, but never came back to the ring herself. This including in 2008, Atsushi Onita did an FMW reunion where all of the women came back for a battle royal, and she was their referee. Her husband, Hito, also known as Bad Boy Hito, passed away less than a week ago. It was reported that he had visceral disease, which I believe is a further-on cancer. And I'm not sure of what kind, but he had been struggling for a while, and he just passed away. So my heart goes to her and her family, and I bet everybody else's hearts do too. On a completely separate note about modern times right now, um, the Vice television show Dark Side of the Ring recently put out an episode about FMW and Atsushi Onita's revolutionary career in deathmatch wrestling. And I was a little disappointed to not hear Megumi mentioned, really. I don't think, at least. Maybe I missed it, but I don't think she was mentioned at all. And, you know, maybe she didn't want to be a part of it, which is completely understandable. I would never want to take someone's privacy away from them. But if she wasn't even asked, that would be such a bummer to hear because she revolutionized women's wrestling. And I think she could have been such an incredible voice to be heard during that story. And... I have a one last quick side note to mention. It's it's really just a quick YouTube rant, <laughs> which I know isn't for some people, but there's a lot of commentary that can be made on things and there's a lot of people making them. And I was felt very inspired when I was watching this creator Kadijim Boe's channel. Um, They make videos about many different things, pop culture analysis, societal, psychological, historical examinations, and it's just very informative, very interesting, and very funny. But something they were talking about in reference to RuPaul's Drag Race 
and I will personally take any opportunity to compare wrestling and drag. But they were saying that in RuPaul's Drag Race, you can see how much the viewers appreciate and value the hero's journey. And this made me think of wrestling because we as a people love to hear tales of those who have fought, scratched, killed for success. And maybe that's a reason people love wrestling in general. And maybe hardcore death matches reach somewhere deep inside us and take us on the most extreme of that journey. And I guess that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed Megumi Kudo's heroic journey as the world's bloodiest female wrestler. And happy Halloween. If you hear this, I hope you're safe and doing well. Thank you. to make it this far i want to say thank you so much for listening queen of the ring was written by me alexa pruitt the music is by Kreider dane of helter skelter music productions if you liked what you hear join me next week